when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Uh, Before we get started today, I want to ask you or remind you to give me a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you've read the book, go to trialguides.com and give me a review over there. And speaking of reviews, I want to give a shout out to a listener, Megan Whiteside, who said, I wish I could give 10 stars. Thank you. Sorry for sharing your genius with us each week. You have changed my life and my practice for the better. Thank you for telling it to us straight and for guiding us to be the best trial lawyers possible. You give us bite-sized strategies each week that really work. This podcast is a must listen for any trial lawyer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Megan. I have so much joy uh, creating these podcasts, uh, recording them and coming to you wherever you might be listening in your living room, in your car, in your office. I really do enjoy the time that we get to spend together, even though I'm over here and you're wherever you are. I do think of you and um, I'm podcasting for you. So that takes us to today's uh, episode where we're talking about the one thing that you are getting wrong about persuasion. And I know that as trial lawyers, or those of you who are not trial lawyers, I know some of you listen who are not just because you like to get some info on communication in general or mindset, but I know persuasion is a big deal and we all wish that we were better persuaders and that we could have this power to sway people over to our side. And this is particularly important for trial lawyers because so much is at stake and so much is on the line. And so I want to talk a little bit about persuasion today and the big thing that you're getting wrong about it. And here's what I want to just kind of put out there to get us started, which is the big thing that you're getting wrong about persuasion is that you have to do it at all. You don't. I know. I know. It's shocking. This is not what you were expecting, was it? Or maybe, because you know I like to toss things around and and upend some of your (laughs) dearly held beliefs, but I firmly believe that persuasion is, at least the way we're attempting it, or I've seen it attempted in trial lawyer world, is something we can safely leave behind. For a few reasons, and I'm going to talk to you about what to do instead today. But, you know, this this brings back, I was um, doing my Facebook Live with the H2H crew. That's the uh, membership that is going to open again in January. So mark your calendars if you're not in there already. We'd love to have you join our community. And I was doing a Facebook Live as I do every month in there to take questions. And one of the questions that came up last month was, Okay, sorry, I have heard that um, you shouldn't wear a black suit and instead you should always wear like a brown or navy suit or no, actually you should, should wear a brown or navy suit 
in Wadir and then a black suit in opening, or maybe I got that wrong. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you're a woman, you know you've heard the advice probably a million times, never wear a red suit. I don't know what it is about the red suit, but it's like the, the big thing, never wear the red suit. And so they were wondering, my, my crew members, what I thought about that advice and what I should, what they should wear in court. And, and this is very similar to the, um, if you don't get our uh, Operation Rescue videos, those drop every Monday um, in your mailbox if you are uh, set up for our email. And if not, you can go to our Facebook page and see those videos, little two to three minute videos I do every week. We also had a question there, which is similar to this. In that, and I'll show you, share with you shortly how they're similar if you, if I'm not being clear, but you know, what kind of Zoom background or should I use a Zoom background and can we use that for subliminal messages and is there a way to persuade that way? And so my answer to all of that is just put the gimmicks down and back away slowly, all right? Now, I want to be really clear what I'm talking about here. I'm not suggesting that what you wear doesn't matter or that we can't play around with Zoom backgrounds. And my answer, actually, if you watch that video, is I would not use a Zoom background for the reason that it's hiding something. And so I, I don't think we should be hiding from jurors. But the point is, is that all of those things that you all ask me about, all of these ways to persuade or to, to get ahead or whatever it may be, really bypasses the real work that you should be doing in trial. And instead, you're wasting your time fucking around with all this other shit that Yes, may we may want to play with once we have the real work done. But in most cases, we don't. And what is the real work that I'm talking about? Well, the real work is your own personal work. Your your changing mindset, you're overcoming your fear, uh, recognizing the jurors are not your enemy, recognizing them as hostages, um, making sure that you're actually learning how to connect with them in a real and authentic way, owning your greatness. This is the real work that needs to be done that I don't see being done. And instead, I see a bunch of trial attorneys chasing gimmicks, trying to get a leg up on the persuasion game to bring us back to our original topic. And what I want to really get across today in today's episode is you don't need that shit. In fact, you do not need persuasion at all. And I know I'm just blowing some of your minds right now. And you're probably writing me off, many of you right now, because you've been trained that you must persuade. And what I want to point out to you is that when you hold that type of mindset, I want to want you to think about what, how, or how that juxtaposes uh, you against the jury. Meaning, when we believe that we must persuade jurors or anyone else to our side of, or our point of view or our side, it immediately puts us in a position of us against them, right? We've got to win them over. We've got to persuade them. We've got to influence them. Why? Well, the underlying thought there is because they're against us, because they don't believe in what we believe, because they, they believe the opposite, because they're the enemy, 
I mean, just naturally think about this. When I think I have to persuade someone, the underlying assumption is that they are against me. That's why I need persuasion. And when we assume that jurors are against us, which search yourselves, my friends, because I know that if you did, if you're like most of my clients, you would agree that, of course, we think the jurors are against us, right? And so when we think the jurors are against us, now we have this mentality of going into battle. And think about when you go into battle, right? You tense up, you bear down. You're like, I got to go in there and I got to change some minds. And it gets us into this completely different state that I want for you, which is there's these people that don't believe anything I'm about to say, and I somehow got to convince them to believe in my cause. It's bullshit, my friends. We've made this up. We've created this imaginary enemy this boundary, this wall between us and the jurors. And what's come out of that is this need, this desperate need to try and persuade and influence and all of that bullshit, which takes us off of our game. But what I want you to see is that the underlying assumption, the underlying belief is the problem. And that belief is that the jurors are our enemy, that they are already against us, And therefore, I need to come in there and I need to use the gimmicks and the persuasion and all that bullshit in order to win my case. Now, what happens is what I want you to think about when we remove or eliminate that belief in the first place. How is that going to change how you approach trial? Well, I think it's going to change everything, which is what my work is all about. What if we actually viewed the jury as a group that is willing to help. A group that wants to live in a better world. You know, when we think about the what we're doing at trial, what we're really doing is inviting jurors to take up a cause. In fact, every case is a cause. Every single case is a cause. And we are, we are offering jurors the opportunity to belong, which is one of the top needs of human beings, and come together to take up this cause and make it happen. And so when we look at it that way, and if you go back and you listen to one of my podcast episodes that's called The Case is Never About Your Client, that's all about how to find the principle in your case. When we look at it from this point of view, that every case is a cause and that there is a principle that's underlying every single case you bring to trial, that principle being either betrayal or loyalty or responsibility or whatever it may be, And you recognize that that's what it is that we're trying to inform jurors and invite jurors into. Well, that changes everything. Because now we have no need to persuade. Because as I continue to remind you, we stand on the side of the right. We stand for principles. We stand for loyalty. We stand for responsibility. We stand for safety. We stand for community. 
We stand for rules. We stand for things that are right and just. And so we need to start shaping our mindset to recognize that we stand on the side of the right and that our job is not to persuade people as to what is right. What is right does not need persuasion. What is right is right. End of story. What is right is right. And so when we share that rightness with the jurors and we show them how that rightness has gone wrong or how someone has tried to violate it, persuasion is no longer needed, my friends. I mean, think about it. When you think about the jurors, they're this cranky group of people that have been plucked from their everyday lives and forced into a situation that they do not understand nor believe in in many cases. When you attempt to persuade, convince, cajole, influence, how many other words can I use? What you end up getting is more cranky people. Right? I mean, I've seen this backfire over and over again. It makes me think of my daughter, who's no longer a toddler. She's five. But when she was a toddler, even still now, you know, when I tried to convince her or persuade her into something that I wanted her to do, it would almost always uh, uh, end up in some type of a tantrum. Right? It wasn't until... Or, or let's say she started a tantrum, right? She's already cranky and she's screaming and yelling about something just ridiculous. And we continue to try to manage that behavior or persuade her out of it or whatever. It's not until Kevin and I get down on our knees and we say, okay, Elena, what is this really about? What is it that, what, what is it that you really need right now? She says, well, it's just I didn't get a chance to spend time with you today. Or it's just that I'm, I, I wanted a snack or, you know, whatever it may be. And now we get to the real need. I no longer need persuasion. When I meet that need of my daughter's, she'll happily play along with whatever it is that we need to do as a family. And jurors are the same. Once you meet their needs, they will be with you. They will. I mean, that is the, 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 the point that I make in all of my trainings is what we're after is permission, right? Not trust. Trust comes with time. But permission is something we can get instantly. And the way that I, I describe what permission is, I say permission is how receptive someone is to you or your message. Now, the number one way to gain permission with anyone is to give them what they need when they need it. That's the number one way is to meet them where they are. This is why we've talked in episodes previously, if you've been following along, about how jurors are in the issue bucket, right? Not the relationship bucket and how every single communication situation falls into one of two buckets. So if we know that jurors are in the issue bucket, meaning what do I, why am I here and what do I have to do and how do I do it? And we meet them there, permission goes up. But what most of us do is instead of meeting them there, we try to pull them into the relationship bucket by asking about hobbies and 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 going for the personal questions at the beginning. And what we end up doing is losing permission or decreasing permission because that's not where jurors are. So if we give jurors what they need, we reduce or eliminate entirely the need to persuade. And so the question becomes, then what do jurors need? Well, they need a lot of things. If you follow the from hostage to hero model, we say they first need safety, 
right? They need some, they need some grounding. They need to they need uh, someone to recognize their lack of autonomy and the fact that this is a scary situation and someone can give them some some information and design an alliance with them. And we, we talked about all those different things in previous podcasts. And then they need engagement, which is the second step in the model. They need to engage with you and the material and and the issues in the case and each other. And then they need information so they can commit. And then finally, they need to be empowered so they can take action. But they also need honesty, authenticity, facts clearly communicated. They need to be trusted. They need to be listened to. They need to be told what's in it for them. What they don't need is to be persuaded. Because here's where I see all of you go wrong is you bypass all of the real things that make a difference in trial, getting your message clear, owning your message, owning your greatness, communicating with passion and purpose, uh, overcoming your fears, showing up in a real authentic way, connection, listening, all of those things. And you go straight, you bypass all of that shit and you go to, how do I persuade jurors? What suit should I wear? Should I use a Zoom background? Look, I get it. I don't, I'm not saying this to shame you because we have a lot on the line and it causes us to do some crazy shit. But what I am saying and what I'm trying to remind you of is that it, <laughs> it takes work, real work, to connect and, and be with jurors. And, and when we do that work on ourselves and in the moment with jurors, we release the need to try and persuade. Because here's the thing, every social science thing you'll read will tell you that persuasion, if it can even be done, is difficult at best. And that the number one way to persuade, if we can even call it that, is to find out what people already believe and fit our narrative into their belief system. Now, how do we do that? How do we find out what jurors believe? How do we really actually get into their heads and into their worlds and figure out how to fit our narrative into, into their worldview? Well, that takes all the things I just said. That takes the listening. That takes the powerful questions. It takes the resonant conversations. It takes all of the things that I teach in my program. What it doesn't take is a blue fucking suit or Zoom background. Now, can those things help in terms of leveling up? Like once you've done the work, then can we start playing with some of those things? Sure. That's not where I'm going to spend my time. There's people who want to talk about that and how that influences and blah, blah, blah. Go, go play over there. But not until you've done the real work of showing up as your big badass self and connecting with the jurors in front of you, listening to them and taking what they give you and weaving it with the, the principles in your case and allowing them to own it and, and have it be their story. The minute we try to persuade, it's our story that we're pushing on someone. Let's make it easier on ourselves, my friends. Let's find out their story and then show them how their story is exactly what we're here to talk about. Those are exactly the things that you're going to have to wrestle with in this case. Boy, what a great group we have here today because so many of you have experience and opinions and thoughts and feelings on the very things that we're bringing you today. You're all experts here. Thank you for being here.
Do you see how that's so different than let me convince you or persuade you to this thing that I automatically assume you're against? It's a whole different way of being, a whole different way of seeing. And I hope that you are seeing us because in some ways it's harder because there's work to be done, personal work, communication work, being present and in the moment. But the bigger learning I hope you're getting is that it's so much easier overall to let go of this first idea that you have to be persuasive and charismatic and all that bullshit. And, and two, to really just show up and be with these people and give them the opportunity to take up the cause and to belong, which are all naturally occurring things that don't need to be difficult. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Let go of persuasion. Do the work. We're here to support you. Get in the membership. That's what we're doing. You know, so many of you scramble a week or two before trial. Try calling me. Can you help me? I always say no. Because what I'm teaching is not something you can shove in over a weekend. It is a lifelong journey of changing your mind and practicing consistently. Years before you go to trial. The people who are in H2H, some of them will have trials for another 18 months. They're in there every week practicing resonant conversations, practicing powerful questions, practicing getting out of their own way. What they're not practicing is how to persuade because that's not the point. So we're here. If you're willing to do the work, we don't promise gimmicks or techniques around here. And I hope that you decide to do the real work instead of chasing the gimmicks and the things that you think will persuade yours. You don't need it. They don't need persuasion. They need you. All right, my friends, talk soon. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.